Okay, hello everyone and welcome to a brand new segment on the Sham Sharma show. This is the Sessions. Uh, sessions is a new segment where I speak to people on the right, on the center or Hindus on YouTube in a bid or an attempt to create a platform for Hindus and for the right and for the center, wherever you might fall um, on, on YouTube and, and to create more of a platform for us on YouTube and to generate more awareness. And to help me do so today, I'm very happy and I'm very privileged to uh, to have Sean Binda from Hindu Lifestyle uh, joining me on the show today. So before I, I let Sean jump in, I want to just introduce Sean and what, uh, what, what his channel is all about. So Sean runs a uh, YouTube channel called Hindu Lifestyle. And please correct me after this, Sean, if I'm wrong or I've, I've missed anything, but... Um, Sean talks about, you know, Hinduism, and he talks about what it means to be a Hindu, particularly what it means to be a Hindu in North America, and, and what does it, what does Hinduism mean, and what does it entail being a Hindu in North America, and, and things like that. So, again, welcome, welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you for having me on. That's uh, pretty much it. You've uh, captured... Uh, in sort of one sentence, what I hope to accomplish on YouTube is, you know, growing up, being born in Canada, being born in North America, uh, and trying to sort of wrap your head around what does it mean to be a Hindu growing up here in North America, like being physically born in this country, you, you don't have any sort of like birth ties to either India, Trinidad, right. uh, and, and sort of like understanding the Hindu experience in the context of a North American lifestyle. Uh, and you've captured sort of what I hope to accomplish on my YouTube channel. All right, awesome. So, so I'm glad about that. So let, let's start off with uh, telling, you know, the audience, including myself, uh, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your background. And particularly why uh, it, it w or when or why you got the idea of of starting a YouTube channel particularly about about Hinduism because I'm actually quite interested to know because I, I, I find a channel very interesting personally yeah so um, hmm. <laughs> so I could give you a long answer I could give you a short answer give me give me give me any answer that works <laughs> for you I'm, I'm here all <laughs> evening mate yes yes okay so my involvement in Hinduism uh, started from, from the time I was born. Um, I've been fortunate to grow up in a family. Uh, my mom and dad have been uh, heavy, heavy, uh, sort of, uh, basically heavyweights in, in the Hindu community here in Canada. Uh, my dad's been uh, the founding president of the Devi Mandir, which is, which is the mandir that, that he was the president in. Oh, wow. Built up built uh, built from the ground up and uh, since I was born we've been involved in sort of the Hindu community aspect uh, when I was young uh, you know the Mandir experience really shaped uh, my experience about Hinduism and then as I got older you know you have friends in the temple atmosphere uh, people start to kind of split apart because you know life takes over school takes over uh, and then as I got older, um, I, I realized that, you know, the experience of young people growing up here in North America is a challenging one. And, uh, you know, when I, I, so I'm, so I'm in my thirties now and I realized that when I was growing up, the one thing that I had missing was 
people that were there to really try to explain everything that was going on in a temple atmosphere, whether it be pujas, whether it be like the Hindu philosophy. Uh, so I took it upon myself. I got involved in teaching uh, in our Bobby Talk classes at the temple. And that sort of spiraled into, you know, doing something more. Uh, and so YouTube was an avenue that I saw. Uh, and, and you may have noticed this as well when you started your uh, YouTube uh, uh, station um, that that there's something lacking in in sort of young Hindus, uh, you know, being being at the center of of their own narrative. Yes. And and I felt that that for Hindus growing up here in, in North America, that there wasn't really anything that that targeted us to sort of explaining, you know, just Hinduism in general. In you know not in like a like a two hour long satsang or but something short <laughs> something quick something that you know people can like watch on their phone right, exactly. just to get that so so that where so that's where the idea came from uh, some of the teenagers that I was teaching at the, at the Mandir you know they they wanted me to start up something whether it be on Instagram Facebook or like anything like that and I kind of felt that you know what they were getting me towards was just that experience of having someone you know that they can relate to and that can explain sort of hinduism in a modern context if if that's what you want to call it so you know i my my involvement in the hindu community is still there it's a, something that i haven't really spoken about yet uh on my uh uh, uh hindu lifestyle sure. uh but you know you know this this stuff does does take time i want to do a little bit more vlogs so that people can see that I'm not just a guy like standing in front of a camera, but but I am involved in sort of the Hindu community here in the greater Toronto area. That that's really cool, and and I I picked up on something which I, I'd love to follow up on a little bit. And you were talking about you know issues and and kind of challenges that Hindus growing up in the West, uh, for example, in North America, let's take for example, face. What would you say would be some issues or some challenges that c young Hindus face today growing up, you know, maybe first generation immigrants, maybe second generation immigrants in the West? The, the biggest thing that I've seen, actually, and uh, with, with my own two eyes, is that there really is a lack of people that can explain Hinduism in a way that relates to people here growing up. Um, and... And I, th I think what gets lost on a younger generation is that there's all these rituals and pujas that are going on in the temple atmosphere and, and parents do their best to sort of bring their kids to the mandir atmosphere. Right. But there's a disconnect between like performing puja, doing, uh, you know, like, uh, like meditating and actually really understanding how Hinduism can change your life. And I, I, I think Mondays in general sort of have to change the format to attract a younger generation. And this is not something that, that is, is a new problem. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it has been identified by many people. Um, and, you know, that's where I say, you know what, if, if I can't be part of the solution, then, then, then why am I here for? So that's where I feel that the classes that I've conducted are sort of bridging that gap is, like, you know, if, if you have young kids and, and they're doing arti or something along those lines, mm -hmm. like many times going through their head is that I don't really know what I'm doing, uh, but I'm just going to do it because my parents told me to do it. Right. Um, and, you know, just starting off with simple things like that 
showing them the reason, you know, why Hindus do the things that they do, makes them appreciate this lifestyle more. Um, so so I, I think what's lacking in the sort of Hindu community are proper teachers that can teach Hinduism, you know, not, not just from like a, like a pundit or a Swami, but teach it as how you would teach history in school. Teach it like a subject so that they understand it. And by understanding it, then it becomes something that they value in their life. I, I think that's a very good point. And I think there's, there's another aspect of, of that where, you know, kind of understanding Hinduism comes into, comes into being is that there's a big difference between sort of understanding Abrahamic traditions like Islam or Christianity and un understanding Hinduism, I think, uh, in the sense that if you wanted to understand Islam or understand Christianity, there's essentially one book that you need to read. And once you read it, you kind of get the gist of the entire Islamic or Christian worldview and what the whole philosophy is all about. But with India, uh, with Hinduism in particular, the, the history is so ancient and, and the literature is so broad and the philosophy is so broad and sometimes pretty abstract that and there's so many works as well that you know somebody can read. I feel like for somebody trying to maybe get into understanding Hinduism better, from just looking at it, you know, from top top up, uh, it could it could be a bit of a overwhelming experience, you know, because there's just so much material out there available. So, how would you suggest would be a good way for some novice, for example, a le let's say a Westerner trying to understand Hinduism, or even a lay Hindu trying to understand his culture better? What's the best way that maybe they can get a gist of our philosophy, but in in sort of a simple manner? Yeah, that that is a question that I've been trying to wrap my head around because many people have have asked me. I've I, I've actually met a lot of people that that come to the mandirs uh, right. that that you know for tours and, and things like that. And you know, so the first thing that I tell them is that don't expect me to give you a one sentence answer to an ancient tradition that has that is probably the oldest living civilization to today uh it's it's easy to explain the abrahamic faith but it's not as simple to di to discuss hinduism because it is so varied that that being said um how how oh man yeah it's a, it's, so a, it's a tough one it's it's you know, it, it is a tough one, and I, I think that's that's where a lot of people sort of get stuck, is that uh, it's it's easy to say, okay, so the first thing that I'm going to talk about are the four Vedas. Mm -hmm. But in reality, many Hindus have not even read the Vedas. Yep. Uh, so so then what what do you go by? What books do we have? So so how I, how I like to start the conversation is I, I do talk about, you know, Hinduism uh, has started, you know, the, the four... You know, the four Vedas form the basis of the Hindu tradition. Uh, and from that point, uh, our ancient rishis, our ancient swamis, through their own internal spiritual experience, have tried to show us the vastness of the universe through various different scriptures. And depending on your own temperament, depending on your own personality, there's a lot of different ways that you can come to the Hindu tradition. Yeah. Uh, and from a like a so I so I can speak to it from a, like a Mandir perspective. Uh, many people that 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 I associate with, 
they focus on basically two sort of texts. One is the uh, Bhagwat, and the other is the uh, uh, Sh- uh, Sri Ram, uh, the uh, Ramayan. Ramayan, yeah. Uh, yes, and and that's that's something from a from a West Indian Hindu perspective. That's that's how many of us come to understand the Hindu tradition. And, and then from there, then I say, if you want to understand the core philosophy of Hinduism, something that is basically summarized in one book, go to the Gita. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's sort of how I started off. And I say that, like, don't think that you just have to read one book. It's important that you understand that there are a lot of different scriptures. Uh, we don't have one book. And I think that's, that's probably a positive point about Hinduism is I that agree. it is so varied that um, depending on, on how you wish to approach it, there is something for you. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I if, if I can shift just a little bit, uh, I find this very interesting because my dad uh, has traveled to the Caribbean a little bit. And he actually, he went to Trinidad and Tobago and he's met a few uh, West Indians there. And he went to this, I don't know if you've heard of this conference that is sometimes organized in Suriname. It's called the World Hindi Conference. I don't know if you're aware of that. And he went there, and he was just completely so fascinated by by the West Indians there, and and how well they've been able to maintain their their culture, how well they've been able to maintain their traditions. Some would say better than <laughs> some Hindus have been able to maintain them in cities in India, which mm-hmm. which I find very fascinating and. You know, talk to me a little bit about how Hindus that traveled so far away from their homeland with, with you know, w- no text, no books, none of that stuff to, you know, no technology to maintain or archive what they have and how they actually maintain it so, so well. Yeah, you know, that's that's something that I've, I've tried to understand uh, from an intellectual perspective. It's, it's really hard to sort of wrap your head around the idea. Uh, so that's where I, I, I think you have to come at it from an emotional perspective. I think when you're afraid of losing something is when you hold on to it tighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for Hindus that left India and went to the Caribbean 170-odd years ago, um, their identity is innately tied to their religious tradition, the right. Hindu tradition. Um, and because they're in a foreign land, I think it made them hold on to whatever they could. And I, I spoke about this a little in one of the videos that I did, is that like a lot of the Hindus that came over weren't learned pundits and, and scholars, like Sanskrit uh, scholars or anything right. like that. Whatever they practiced in the villages is what they brought with them. And that daily practice, just the simple Hindu practice of living their life, doing doing whatever they could to help the, you know their their friends and the family that is what they held on and i think the the caribbean hindu the west indian hindu because they were forced to adapt quickly because of such because of the changes and 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 the hard life that they had to go through under the, uh, um, under the british um, indentureship that in itself forced them to maintain whatever identity they could because they they didn't want to lose who they were. And I think if you compare it, as you're saying, to the um, Indians in some of like the, the cities in, in India, they haven't had to fight for it. That's very and true. I, 
I've I've had this conversation with a lot of my Indian friends right here in in Toronto where where it's like they look at me they 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 look at the fact that yo you're Hindu but you don't speak Hindi you don't do any of that but you know more about Hinduism you, and you do more for Hinduism than I've ever done and I think what that boils down to is that when something surrounds you that you never had to fight for you take it for granted whereas if if you have to fight for something then then you value it more and i think we're starting to see in india right now which which i think goes to like the politics of um, india that fighting for your traditions will make you value it more and and we can see that that there's now an uprising in in india as well that that people are starting to realize that 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 the leftist politics that are going on there is is causing people to move further and further away from the tradition of their ancestors mm-hmm. and you can see that now there's there's basically an uprising of hinduism and i i actually think it's it may not be the same thing as the caribbean hindu experience but the idea is the same of of being of of not wanting to lose the traditions of your ancestors and I think for Hindus like myself of the Caribbean background we were put in a situation where we had no choice but to fight for it. Um, right. And I think that's that's what's caused a lot of us to hold on to it. I think it's so interesting because when my dad traveled to Suriname he was completely blown away because a, a lot of the people that had moved to Suriname had moved from Bihar which is my native state. Mm-hmm. And he was he was comp- he was so impressed with again how well they had been able to not just hold on to their culture but you know make it thrive where they were living and uh, like you said yourself and I, I think that's so true that a lot of these people were not learned pundits that moved you know they moved mainly due to economic conditions and so on and so forth and they when he went there one of the things he realized was s- that they spoke the local dialect uh, Bhojpuri which is one of the local dialects in Bihar that they spoke Bhojpuri so well and and they knew all of the you know the Bhojpuri folk songs that my dad and I when we go to our villages in Bihar we sing there and it's just insane to me and just so fantastic to me that thousands of miles away these these people have been able to hold on to it and maintain it and you know and for for over like you said over 150 years so that's again that that's just so impressive to me and I want to change tack tack a little bit again, and I don't know if you you heard recently. I think it was last year or something where there was a judgment in California that a lot of Hindus were celebrating. Where I think the uh, court in California ruled that uh, they would be looking at changing the way Hindus are portrayed in textbooks in California, mm-hmm. and and you know obviously for good reason Hindus are celebrating that as a big win because for for a very long time in the West, uh, there's a certain way that Hindus are depicted and described. And it is often very inaccurate and it is often an oversimplification of you know, a very complex uh, philosophy uh, generally. And how, how are Hindus usually viewed or portrayed in Canada? Wow. So, to be fair and to be very frank, uh, some of the other um, Hindu leaders might might disagree with me. I I think Hindus generally are n- are not even part of the conversation here in Canada. Um, 
you know, the Hindu unity that, that, that we sorely need here in Canada has been lacking for quite some time. Um, so to talk about how Hindus are portrayed, to be honest, I don't even think we're on the radar, generally speaking. Whereas right. if if uh, you look at, um, you know, the other faiths or, or anything like that, uh, you know, you can always see Christian representation. You can see the Islamic representation. There's Buddhist um, representation. But in, but in terms of sort of like the mainstream sort of life and things like that, you know, Hindus really haven't made a dent. And, you know, some people might disagree with me, um, and I'll be happy to to debate any one of my Canadian Hindus watching this here. But generally, like, I, I find in Canadian Hindu society, Hindus have been generally happy to sort of build their own local wonders and then kind of leave it at that. Right. Uh, so, so I'm focused on building uh, Munder in this part of the city. It's, it's going to be 20,000 square feet, blah, 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 and that's great. But in terms of a general sort of like Hindu identity in Canada, like a Hindu presence, I don't know if it's there yet. So in terms of like an academic perspective, I would say it's quite similar to, to what's going on in the States. I, I, I just had a conversation with my class in the morning about, you know, you know, for students that are in high school right now that are going into university, be very mindful of if you take a religion course, you know, and they start talk, talking about Hinduism, find out, well, who wrote this book? Right. And then look into the author and then kind of figure out, you know, what from what point of view are they sort of coming in and, and talking about Hinduism? Because cause you yourself would know, you know, that that the portrayal of Hindus in, in the academic side, in the media side, you know, has it's skewed towards, you know, that, that sort of view that, that Hindus are, you know, like talk about cats and they want to mm-hmm. talk about curry and they want to talk about cows. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, like, like those, those three things are sort of how everything sort of gets framed. I, I really think that here in, in Canada, Hindus now need to start, you know, they've built their temples, which is great because I think that forms the base where we need to move now is now start tackling mainstream society how can our voice be heard um i i followed quite uh, uh closely like uh, like organizations like uh the hindu american foundation right. and the work they're they're doing and like we we really don't have anything like like that they're now whatever like people feel about the hindu american foundation is fine but at least there's organizations that have rallied to sort of you know, make sure that there is a Hindu voice. Canada has tried, and I've I've been part of efforts too to kind of bring Hindus from all walks of life, and everything just kind of goes up in smoke. And I think, right. you know, like Hindu unity is 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 something that is very elusive. It's very elusive, and and I can't understand why. It's 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 a very interesting thing because it's. It's something that has long been a bane of Hindus is unity. You know, if even if you look at Indian history over over the over the ages, you know, it's it, India has always or Hindus have always been a very strong and a very resilient people. What's often led to their downfall is infighting and just not being able to present a united front, and that's something that's hurt India. You know, post independence as well, and uh, it. I feel like 
you know, in, in so-called the modern age, one of uh, a lot of that has to do with education, at least from India, from what I from, from what I can tell. Uh, it, it has a lot to do with education because I remember when I was in school, uh, early school, you know, middle school, high school, every single history class, whenever a, a Hindu civilization was mentioned, it was just, okay, this was the Hindu civilization. So, for example, one of the greatest Hindu civilizations to ever exist, the Mauryas, for example. Uh, and there's about a page on the Mauryas in history textbooks in India. And for somebody like Akbar or, uh, B, you know, Jahangir, Babur, and all, all of those folks, all of those people get their own chapters. Yeah. And, you know, and, and uh, great civilizations uh, like the Mauryas get like one paragraph or one page. And the most things that will be talked about in history textbooks is caste and how, you know, the caste is this immutable truth of Hindu society, which is, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. And how, you know, uh, caste is responsible for the, the position that Hindu society is in today. And it's just, caste is something that's just used by politicians in India all the time as well. And I feel like that's something that's just communicated to the West as well. And the West just picks that up and runs with it. And it's just that whenever the West thinks of Hindus, they think of, like you said, you know, cows. And then they think of the caste system. And that's what mm -hmm. it's all about. And I feel like at some level, uh, once you've been force-fed that for generations, at some level you will internalize it. And I feel like Hindus to some level have internalized and There have been generations, you know, my dad's generation, my generation, a lot of my, you know, I went to university in Delhi University. And Delhi University is one of those, you know, big bastions of liberalism in India. And a lot of those students uh, that I studied with have completely internalized that. Mm. And uh, so it's, it's, I feel like at this point, it's so deeply in entrenched that people kind of, uh, that's, that, that's what leads to some of the disunity in, in Hinduism. But at the same time, I feel like social media and the rise of social media has provided us with an unprecedented opportunity uh, that, is, that I think is very important to take about you know getting the truth out getting the word out and getting to be able to influence a large number of people the way leftist education and kind of british education was able to do and uh, what what do you think about that i i i think you hit it right on the head um the the education system is is absolutely necessary in sort of changing the narrative that, that that's being taught on uh, someone had commented on my uh, on one of my videos is that one of the reasons for the, the state of Hinduism in in India and, and worldwide is because Hinduism is not being taught and and I agreed but but they sort of said that like Hinduism has to be taught in schools and I said well the first thing that you should probably do is that parents now need to take it upon themselves that like I have to educate myself so that I can educate the next generation. And I, but, I, but I find too often what happens, uh, and, and, and you may notice this too, is that Indians, and I could talk about any type of Indian, whether you're West Indian or you're Indian from India or mm -hmm. South Africa, for so long the focus has been on uh, you need to get a good education yep. so that you can get a good job, so that you can make the most money. And anything to do with culture and Hinduism or anything like that, 
It's out the window. That's the problem I, I find is, is that it's more Indian, regardless of your background. It's, it's more of them wanting to take the attitude that my education, whether it be for my job, is, is just as important as educating myself on my own Hindu history. And that is, I think, what has primarily led to sort of like a downfall in a lot of Indian sort of internalizing the proper narrative that they should be when it comes to understanding their own culture, understanding their own religion. The focus has been too much on advancing myself materially right. in this world to the detriment of, of the culture that, that they're a part of. That, that, that same culture that gave them the brains, that gave them the genetics, that, that gave them everything to succeed in the world is the same thing that they're turning their back against right now. Right. And, and that's what always makes makes me laugh. You know, I, I, I think about the ancient rishis and like you read so much about, you know, what, what they did to understand the mind and the brain and the body. And, and I guess this is the same people that, that are your ancestors. So you come from the same blood, you come from the same genes. So you have the brains to understand your right. culture, but you're not. You're, you're going to focus on becoming the next best doctor or the next best engineer, which is fine. I mean, I have no problems with people trying to advance themselves, but at the same time, you can't forget everything that brought you to where you are today. Uh, so, so education is key, and if it's not happening in the school system, then it needs to happen at the home level. And if you can't do it at the home, then then at least like the temples that that that, that are close to your home, you know, you need to start making an effort to attend. And if they don't have classes, start classes. There's so much material. That is available that, that that can actually teach young Hindus that that we now have access to. As you're saying, because of social media, because of the rise of the internet, there's no reason why young Hindus today can't be educating themselves. That's very true. And you know, one of the one of the things that I've noticed with Hindus as well, and this this kind of follows up on one of the videos that you did that I really enjoyed as well. It was about the video that you did about uh, Miley Cyrus, and she was. I think uh, celebrating either Saraswati Puja or Durga Puja, one of one of uh, the. It was. Uh, she had posted photos on Instagram about Lakshmi Puja. Lakshmi Puja, that's the one. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. it was it was very interesting the point you made, and it really resonated with me because I, I, it it rings so true for Indians in India too because, it's it's when say a Westerner takes an interest, or or appreciates or praises a part of your culture or a part of your tradition. Hindus often take that as the real affirmation of their culture, and that's when they like that's when they take pride in their culture and their traditions. And I see that so much in India is that when, when for example, a a British scholar or an American scholar comes up and says, "Okay, this is what is good about India," then Indians will you know go on the whole chest thumping uh, jamboree, and they're going to be like, "Okay, you know, now now our culture is fantastic." It's it's kind of strange that a culture as ancient and as rich as ours is, it, d it doesn't have that inherent sense of pride that I was very fortunate enough to develop from a very young age. You know, I, I think a large measure of that is how my parents raised me and how, how they taught me about my history and about my culture. But it's, it's kind of crazy that we look, you know, to the West for approval for, for a culture that is so much more older 
and so much more broader in in philosophy and in content than the West. You know what? That that video that I made was actually uh, so I, I like I had just started my uh, YouTube experience and. And I, I think I was getting ready to go out or something like that. <laughs> like this thing sort of came across my um, Instagram feed and I'm like, all right, let me just do a video off, off the cuff, like, like just talking off the top of my head. Um, and that video, uh, you know, it's, it's been about a year since I've been doing uh, videos on YouTube. That, that video actually had the most likes and shares of any one of the videos that I've done because I, I think it, it, it speaks to the volume of how many Indians don't value the traditions that they're a part of. And, and I, I can't understand it. And actually, if, if you go on YouTube right now and you look at the videos about Hinduism that actually has the most views, there's one that's about how Will Smith is now a Hindu right. or, or, or uh, who's it? Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yeah, so there's like a video, if you do a search for like your video, if you, you do a search for mine on, on like the column side, it's like the next recommended video is how <laughs> Will Smith and Julia Roberts are Hindus and has like like 300,000 yep. views, right? And and like the stuff you're you're doing, like like the stuff I'm doing, you know, it's, it's kind of like, okay, 300 views, 400 views. You're like, <laughs> come on, man. People only wanted to talk about, as you rightfully said, as, as I said in my video, is that only when outsiders view what we are about that all of a sudden that's when it becomes important and, and that's a shame that's that's really a sad state of affairs is that it shouldn't take outsiders to make you realize what you have right in front of you and i think if, if more hindus more indians were to kind of pay attention pay attention to what's right in front of their noses like half the problems that hindus are facing right now probably wouldn't even exist I, I, I completely agree, and I think that's changing as well, that, that whole perception is changing little by little as well. Like, if you can see that on social media, you know, for, for all the ills that social media has, some of the benefits, one of the benefits of social media is that, you know, you can see that tide turning slowly where, you know, Indians on social media, particularly Hindus on social media, are, are you know, are educating themselves through the medium of social media about their culture and can hear people like you and me talk and are kind of informed more and more about their culture and are now developing that intrinsic pride in their culture as well. So I think that's a, that's a good development and slowly that tide is changing. And it, it brings me to an interesting question as well because you know people ask this question all the time and people, because people use the word religion for Hinduism very often that Hinduism is a religion. And the problem is that religion, the word religion is often understood in the Abrahamic sense because whenever you say the word religion, the first thing you think is, okay, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and then you say Hinduism, which is also a religion. So is Hinduism a religion? Is Hinduism a way of life? Is Hinduism something in between? Or is Hinduism something completely <laughs> different entirely? So I've, I've been meaning to do a video on this because many people have commented on some of the videos. Um, yeah, so, you know, anytime we talk about Hinduism, language becomes very important, yep. like the words we choose. Uh, so is Hinduism a religion in the strict sense of the word of what we mean by religion? And re re I believe religion comes from Latin, uh, religio, something that means to like bind. 
So in the strict sense of the word and how people understand the word religion, Hinduism, no, is not a religion in that sense of the word. Now, is Hinduism a, like just a way of life? And I've asked people this that have argued and escaped me saying Hinduism is not a religion, it's a way of life. So then I turn it back on them and I'm right. like, so what do you mean by way of life? Then, and, and then they can't answer it because to say that Hinduism is a way of life is really not saying anything because being a vegetarian is a way of life. Right. Being a bodybuilder is a way of life. Uh, being someone who likes to read books all the time is a way of life. It doesn't tell me anything. So, you know, when, when I encountered this question many years ago, I was actually reading one of the articles in Hinduism today. And one of the Swamis actually said that to understand Hinduism, I, I think we have to say it's a little bit of both. It's a religion in the sense that it consists of a set of practices. It consists of a set of ways to understand the world that we are in and our place in the world uh, and our place in, in the world. It's a way of life because it teaches you how to live in the world that you're living in. It teaches you the, the, the food you have to eat, how to train your mind, how to live, how to start a family, how, how to live a householder life, which is you know the basic unit of a Hindu's way of life. So I think it's both. And, but whenever we talk about it, we simply just can't say, no, it's not a religion, or yes, it's just a way of life. We actually have to spend a little bit more time to qualify what we mean by these words. Uh, so I would say it's a little bit of both. To, to not call it a religion, I think also it's doing it a disservice right. because it, 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 it teaches you a way to sort of communicate with, this, with the divine that is in the world. Uh, um, it's not a religion in the sense that you have to accept everything blindly by faith or because a book says it, therefore it must be true. It's a it's a way to question, and I think one of the beauty, one of the, one of the most beautiful things about Hinduism is that questioning has never been looked down upon. Right. Uh, if if you read something and you don't agree with it, question it, and then and then would say, well, inquire on your own. So I think it's a little bit of both. Now, some people might say, well, that's a little bit of a cop out, but but I think in the context of the world that we're living in right now. You can't say that it's a way of life because I think that's just a like like a nonsense answer that doesn't tell me anything. Uh, but it's a religion as well because because it also you know you know teaches you ways to to be spiritual in the world. I think I think I agree, and I think you raised a very good point about you know questioning and how Hinduism allows for that questioning to happen. Because if you look at examples like uh, Mahavir. You know, somebody who questioned, you know, the, the kind of established uh, philosophy, established ethos. Mahavir is widely celebrated as a saint in India, among Hindus. And you, know, you, you look at Buddha. Buddha was somebody who, again, questioned the established philosophy and the, and the status quo. And again, Buddha is somebody who is widely recognized as a saint and regarded as a saint. And everybody and their mother has a Buddha statue in their house. And... You know, you compare that to, you know, people who questioned or people who asked questions or people who doubted in religions uh, other than Hinduism, like Islam and Christianity, for example, and they were either burnt at the stake or beheaded. And that's a very key difference. You know, you can question Hindu thought, you can question Hindu ethics, and you've been able to do that for millennia 
without that fear that somebody's going to roll up at your door, drag you out of your house and murder you. And I think that speaks volume, volumes for, for this religion and, and the, the democratic design that this religion has inherently built into it. And it grinds my gears so much when people uh, online or people wherever, and it's a very, uh, it's just a very famous popular phrase for, you know, left intellectuals or intellectuals in general and the media. And maddeningly among Hindus as well, this is a very popular phrase when they say all religions are exactly the same. You know, yeah. they're all exactly the same. Every, everything's is the same. And religious people say so, atheists say so, and I don't know if you've heard of this this guy called Sam Harris. He's a yes, yes. Yeah, he's a he's a very prominent. Uh, he's a neurosurgeon, a very prominent atheist, and somebody like him who eschews all religion entirely. Even somebody like him will accept that there are some really there are some really good aspects to you know cultures like Hinduism and cultures like Buddhism, whereas in cultures like Christianity and Islam, generally speaking the damage that has been done to humanity by the by the religious content of Christianity and Islam overshadows by a country mile the good that is provided to humanity by you know these these religions whereas when it comes to Hinduism you know the I think uh, he he concedes that there is a lot of good that can be offered and it, it just completely drives me up a wall when I hear this phrase that every religion is the same. And you hear yes. it everywhere, you know? You know, that <laughs> this is a true story. So uh, being part of a Monday atmosphere and growing up in Canada, there's a lot of these uh, uh, um, interfaith uh, gatherings that, right. that, that we go to. Uh, so I've I've been to a few of them myself, and uh, this this was prior to me being a lot more vocal in in um, Hinduism. So I went, and uh, I, I forget who was the pundit that was there, or, or someone was was speaking, and they're like, and they go up, they take the mic, and they say, uh, Hindus believe that all religions are the same. Oh, so I was I think I was in high school. So I think I was in high school, and like I I heard this. And then I'm like, somehow, like, that statement in itself cannot make sense. Yep. Like, if, so, so then I, like, I went home, and, and I, like, I, I was just thinking about this thing, and, like, at, at that time in my life, like, I, I couldn't figure out how do I fight back against that. Like, I could, I could not understand, okay, something inside me is not sitting right, because if all religions are the same then why do I have to pray to Lord Shiva first? Because if right. all religions are the same, then then we don't need to have different re religions. And fast forward, I think I was now so in my late 20s, and I, I, I actually had the opportunity to uh, meet uh, Rajiv Malhotra, actually. Oh, wow. Um, and I had organized a seminar with him without even like really knowing what – what he was doing, and he came to speak about this book, uh, Being Different. Right. Uh, so I actually bought that book. And the first few pages of that book, like, literally changed my life. It just, because he himself was nailed it on the head about the uneasiness Hindus have in trying to assert their difference. Um, and, 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 you know, he, he talks about his experience in 
in the early 90s actually ab about trying to combat this whole thing about Hindi sameness. And, and little did I know that, like, I'm a teenager, you know, in, in the 90s right. that, like, I'm trying to, like, wrap my head around this thing. And and little did I know that so many Hindus were basically, like, saying the same thing without really understanding what it meant. And reading that book, Being Different, literally changed my life because it, it, it showed, you know, how it is okay to be different. There's nothing wrong in, in having other religions. And, and I think you would also agree that that india has been the home to many different religions uh has welcomed people of the jewish faith of the parsi faith right. uh people that were that that were basically persecuted um and but but for hindus to go and parrot this thing about the world is one family and they were, oh that that when i hear that uh there there <laughs> There was a Hindu youth conference uh, that I attended. I had organized a, a group of youth here. Uh, it was about three three years ago, and there was a Swami. There there was uh, like a youth leader, and someone had had asked them about. Uh, so how do Hindus view other faiths? And literally, one of the Swamis there like got up and said, "You know what? Hindus view God as one." So I'm sitting there now, and I I like Ooh. got livid. I like stood up and I'm like, I have to say something here. And I said, how can you sit here and tell all these young kids that are trying to understand the Hindu identity that every religion is the same? You're not helping their cause. You're just confusing them more. There's nothing wrong in asserting you're different. Being different doesn't mean that you're better than someone. And I think a lot of the problems Hindus have is that they're afraid to assert their difference because they they think that that uh, that that raises their ego that they're saying because I'm different I'm better. Right. But what we're saying is that I'm different. That is all. I am different. There's right. nothing wrong in being different. And um, you know I'm, I'm I'm glad you raised that point and I'm glad more people are starting to fight back against this whole all religions are the same nonsense. It's utter nonsense. It's garbage. It really is. And you know it it. It is, it is possible, it is completely possible that the world is one family. It's possible. But even if you look at a family, people within one family can be very different from each other. You know, there is, there could be one sibling in a family that goes on to become an engineer at Google. And there is one person in a family that just, you know, becomes a trust fund baby and just sits at home. So <laughs> within a family, there can be massive differences as well. So it is okay that you're different. And I think it's a great point that, you know, you're not trying to say that you're better than somebody else. You're just trying to say that you're different and there is a great value in that difference that you have. And that is what makes you unique. When people come to India, when foreigners visit India, they are not coming to visit an Islamic country. Because if they wanted to do that, they could have gone to Qatar, they could have gone to UAE, they could have gone to, you know, a bunch of different countries, Jordan, wherever. And they're not coming to visit a Christian country. They could have gone to Europe for that. They are coming to experience Hinduism, essentially, when they come to India. They're coming to experience a culture that is completely different from any culture out there existing today. And that is what they come to experience. That is why when people come to India, they are blown away. And they're always like, I have never seen anything like this in my life. And it just it, it's incredible. I have welcomed so many people. You know, there's this place called uh, Pushkar in Western India in, in the state called Rajasthan. 
and I used to live in Delhi, and Delhi is not very far away from Pushkar. So I used to go to Pushkar uh, very often. And Pushkar is very popular among uh, foreign tourists, uh, particularly you know, European tourists. And I would go there and I would often sit down and talk to a lot of um, foreigners, foreign tourists. And a lot of them, every single one of them would tell me the same exact story. That I came here expecting something, not sure what, but everything that I expected has... It, it, what I've experienced is completely different from what I've, what I've expected, essentially. And this is like nowhere else in the world. And that's something to take a lot of pride in. And it's not something to deflect away. You know what I mean? Yes, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I, you know, um, coming to India actually is uh, something that is on my radar, but I, I'm not sure when it will actually happen. Right. Um, I know there are many West Indians that have actually have gone. Uh, I, I have a few friends here that uh, were able to uh, trace their ancestry, actually. Um, so when the Indians came over on on the the, uh, the boats and the ships, the ship records were actually, you know, and I, I think you have to give credit to uh, the British. They, they actually maintained pretty right. good records. Um, uh, so there are some friends that, have, that I have here whose parents, uh, we were able to actually uh, go and actually look at the village that their ancestors came from and actually go to India wow. and visit those villages there. Uh, my, my own uh, great-grandfather came from India, and I was actually talking to my dad and, and my uncle about this. Uh, so my uncle did try to actually trace back. I know that uh, so my ancestors came from UP, actually. Oh, wow. But when my uncle actually tried to like get to the actual village, what he was told was that the village that, that my ancestors came from was actually wiped out in a flood. Oh. Uh, so so they, they, they weren't actually able to go any further than that. Uh, but, you know, maybe one of these days I'll, I'll have a chance to visit India. Absolutely, yeah. man. If when, and whenever you're in there, you know, if you should let me know. And if I'm, I'm, I'm there, I'll show you the time of your life. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. I... Uh, I, I know my wife and myself, uh, you know, we're, we're very interested in actually doing it. Uh, as to when it will happen, I, I hope it happens sooner rather than, than later. No, absolutely, and that will be fantastic. And that kind of brings me, you know, it, 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 again, it boggles my mind that somebody, somebody like yourself, you know, who was, who was not born in India but has maintained that culture, and you're so eager to go back to India and to assert sort of your, your Hindu identity and who you are, and I see the opposite in so many young people, uh, you know, my age, for example, a lot of like educated urban Hindus, whether in India or, or in the West, they are so quick to shy away from their Hindu identity. They're, they're, they're so quick to shy away from calling themselves Hindus even, you know, and when people ask them, where are you from? They're just like, oh, India, but you know, I'm, I'm American now or I'm this now. And you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being American or being Canadian. I think that's great that when you immigrate to a country that you, you know, identify as a person of that country, but to run away from your Hindu heritage, you know, you might not be Indian essentially, but uh, I feel like to run away from your Hindu heritage is very weird. You know, again, yeah. talking with all this stuff that we talked about, about belonging to such a unique culture, but the educated folk, you know, tend to run away from it. And the, the, the so-called folk in the smaller towns and the villages are more proud of it than the educated people are. 
And it, it's such a strange thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and, you know, just, just speaking to that point, um, uh, a lot of the Indians that left India were actually the village folk that, that actually left. Um, and, you know, I, I, I sometimes I, I scratch my head and I, <laughs> I, I, I try to understand the Hindu mindset. And, and sometimes, like, like I, I really don't have an answer. Like, I, I, I really don't have an answer. And, and I don't know what has to be done to kind of flip that switch to turn the light bulb on for, for Hindus to have that light bulb moment that, you know what, if I don't fight for what, for, for what I believe in, it's going to be lost. And I think if, if Hinduism, you know, gets digested into, like, Western culture, that, that will be a detriment to the world that we live in. Um, I, I really, really believe so, which is why, like I think, guys like yourself, uh, guys, you know, that are willing to kind of take the time and, and, and effort to sort of, like, you know, speak out about what's going on, you know, that those small little things go a long way. You know what? We, we, we may not have, like, 500,000 people watching our videos, right. you know, we, we, but, but even if there's one person that sort of gets inspired by, by what you're doing, then, you know what, that in itself would, would be a success. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, I, think that's a, I think that's a very important point, and I think the best way to fight it is, is again, a leverage social media to your advantage, you know? Uh, it's, it's such an unprecedented opportunity, again, like I mentioned before, that, that it is criminal almost not to take it. And, and it, it brings me to another question because I often see, you know, in, in the West, I, I see this in India all the time, and again, it drives me up a bloody wall, but I see this in the West a lot as well. And it relates to one of the videos that you did wi in which you were uh, talking about Superwoman, who is you know, a, a YouTuber of Indian descent, and, and Jagmeet Singh, who I believe is a leader for a Canadian political party, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and uh, they were talking about how, uh, you know, Raksha Bandhan is a sexist festival, and you see that so much in, in, in India, and you see that so much in, in the West as well, when it particularly when it comes to Hindus, is that Hindu traditions are sexist, and Hindu beliefs are patriarchal and, you know, uh, everything that a Hindu does is steeped in this patriarchy and this, and this caste dominance struggle. And uh, that scrutiny and that criticism for some reason never goes to Islam. I notice that in America all the time. Uh, I notice that in India all the time. I'm not very aware of what, um, you know, the popular discourse in Canada is like and what the media in Canada is like with that, but I bet that the situation in Canada is not that different. It's, it's basically the same. Like, like whatever narrative is part of the American media, is the same narrative that exists here, and it's unfortunate. That, that video that I did on Superwoman and Jagmeet Singh, um, it, 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 it really bothered me when I saw Jagmeet Singh posting that on his Twitter feed, um, because of a Hindu tradition is coming from a Western point of view that is doing it through a Western lens, then of course you can say anything is sexist. And you can say that patriarchy, you know, is permeates everything. Right. But 
But I mean, you know, what understanding of this tradition do you have? And is your understanding based on a like postmodernist interpretation of Hinduism? And I mean, we can see right now that that postmodernism is actually, you know, is a detriment to the society that that we're living in. Like, there's a lot of stuff that people are now pushing back against, which 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 is good to see. But but to have like people like Jagmeet Singh, a leader of a national party, coming out and saying this thing, like like he's 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 basically painting every you know everyone that chooses to celebrate that tradition in in one sort of sweep of his brush everyone is now participating in a patriarchal practice and and that i did not like at all one bit um and it, it's it's funny that you mentioned that video because if, if you watch that video i i did not talk about sikhism right. i did not talk about Khalistan. Right. I did not <laughs> right, I and that's a pr- and that's a that's a problem brewing in 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 Canada, and that's a major <laughs> criticism of <laughs> of no, you know yeah. Go ahead. No, no. So I I I chose not to talk about right. you know, any of those things. I just chose to talk about someone who is a leader of a national party talking about Raksha Bandhan from that point of view. But when I did that video, right away, like like the views went up. But then the the comments got talking about how I was attacking Sikhism right. and how I I I you know uh, that that I'm against Sikhs and and I'm like nowhere did I say that at all like I I have nothing against Sikhs. The video was not against him as a Sikh. The video was not against people within that tradition. The video was against painting a tradition that Sikhs and Hindus participate in as something that is not a sexist tradition. But then all the comments became about Khalistan and this and that, and I'm like, right. oh my God. I was right, this is not, yeah, like this is not what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about, and it, I, I find this whole thing very interesting as well, is because in India, you, you notice something very funny about the relationship between Hindus and Sikhs. So whenever there's a cultural event in, say, Delhi, where there's a lot of Sikhs and Hindus that live together, whenever there's a cultural event like a Durga Puja or, or something like that, Hindus and Sikhs will always show up together and Hindus and Sikhs will always be there praying together and celebrating the Puja together. But when it comes to, it, it's just when it comes to political issues and election issues and things like that, that Sikhs are just adamant about maintaining a separate identity. And I feel like that kind of has translated to to Canada in a large way as well, where Sikhs are just adamant to maintain this separate identity from Hindus whereas they there is no way to refute that Sikhs are children of the same Sikhs and Hindus are children of the same mother you know they're cult- yeah, go ahead I, I, you know I, I totally agree with that uh, uh, statement like I, I I you know I have a lot of Sikh friends I've, I've been to Sikh weddings I've, I've been to uh, Gurdwara here I have I have no issue with Sikhs Sorry, Sean, just to cut you off there, I, I, your, your sound's crackling in my ear a little bit. Is it crackling in yours, too? Uh, what, what about now? Uh, sp- uh, it's, it's crackling a little bit as well, still. Uh, I haven't changed anything. Okay, well, no worries. It's not that bad. It's just a little bit of a yeah. crackle. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's better now, actually. Okay, it, it may have just been uh, static in uh, my angle. Possibly. Uh, Possibly. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. You know, you know the 
Khalistan movement here. Uh, I I have tr- I I am trying so hard to stay away from all of this politics and right. everything else. But but the but the more you start to assert a Hindu identity, like people from from all walks of life start to come in, and you and then they they want to come in and to sort of like change the, the narrative of what what you're about. Um, you know I. It's, it's unfortunate that uh, uh, the Air India bombing here in that happened in Canada in 1994, right. I believe. Um, you know that that was a very you know big that that was the largest terrorist act that happened here in Canada, um, and and to see where like the you know where where the politics of, of that have gone in sort of recent months and the rise of people like Jagmeet Singh, right. you know that's that, that's a whole other issue. Um, I, I just hope that you know if, if he does rise in politics, that that his views about Hinduism, uh, you know, you know he, he he doesn't try to paint Hindus in a bad light because. Because that that would certainly be to the detriment of the party that that, that he's a part of, um, and you know this, you know if, if I can do a YouTube video that that resonates with a few of the Hindus to make them realize that Raksha Bandhan is not a sexist right. position, then I will continue making videos like that. Exactly, and it's a weird one too because you know you're the the concept of Raksha Bandhan is is that a brother. You know, ties or a, a sister ties a Rakhi or a Raksha, Raksha Bandhan to to her brother, uh, and it is seen often as you know, now people see it as now the sister is somehow under the brother's control, but that's not the concept behind it. The concept behind it is is that the brother vows to protect her no matter what, and. For some reason, I don't understand if a if a brother vows to protect his sister no matter what happens. How is that a sexist or a patriarchal thing? I mean, it's not that the sister will not protect the brother no matter what. If something befell the brother, for example, if the brother was in an accident, it's not that the sister is not going to take care of him. And if the sister says that, um, hey, you know, if you get into an accident or if anything happens to you or if you're ever in trouble. I will protect you. Now, does that become sexist as well? So it's it's a strange concept, you know, that that a a a, a pure emotion between a brother and sister is now construed as some sort of an insidious patriarchal plot to control women. Yep, and, and there's there's a lot of that actually, you know, in, in trying to reinterpret Hindu scriptures. Uh, I I had a conversation with uh, with a youngster this morning about. You know, if, if you read about Mother Sita uh, in the Ramayana and you read about how, you know, heavily portrayals of her as, as someone that, that was, uh, you know, that was abused by uh, Rawan and that was, like, discarded by Sri Ram and, and all of these, like, crazy, crazy <laughs> interpretations. <laughs> like, I, I just told him, like, be wary of what you read. Because, right. like, they would have all these crazy interpretations. And, and you're just like reading this thing, and you're like, what are they talking <laughs> what about? What is going on? What are they talking about? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it really it's a, makes me laugh. Definitely. It, it's a crazy one. And, you know, it, Hindus get a lot of, I feel like it's a fashionable thing these days to kind of demonize Hindu and Hindus and Hinduism in the media. It happens all the time in, in India. 
I, and I wonder how much of that happens in, 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 for example, Canada, because one thing that happens in India a lot is that every single Hindu tradition will be scrutinized and criticized and demonized. Whereas uh, if, if there's a Muslim tradition, for example, for example, a Muslim woman who is required to wear a veil or a Muslim woman, uh, you know, with the, with the whole triple talaq issue and all of that stuff, those are considered as, oh, that's their tradition. You know, let them be. Don't interfere with somebody else's tradition. And uh, there's this phrase that is used often in this case. It's called soft bigotry of low expectations. Now, I'm not sure who coined this phrase, but uh, some of the people that I listen to for like Majid Nawaz, who's an Islamist reformer, he uses this phrase very much because he says that when it comes to certain cultures, everything is fair game. But when it comes to other cultures, like leave them alone because that's their culture. And that's kind of a racism towards that culture as well because you're almost assuming that that culture is not capable of change or the people in that culture are some Stone Age savages that are not capable of change and reform. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, it's an interesting that uh, you bring that up. And, you know, I, I think that kind of relates to, um, in a sense that, like, you know, here in Canada, like, I really feel that Hinduism is not on anyone's radar. Right. Like, like we are so small, we are so, like, minuscule that, that, like, no one really even pays attention to us. The, the only time we get any type of attention is when it's election time and, like, politicians have to come and, like, get votes. Yep. And, and, and you see, like, politicians coming to the temples and saying you must pay and uh, they're, <laughs> like, doing all of this. But in reality, we really have not captured the mindset of anyone. However, the funny thing is that you talk about yoga and then all of a sudden, like, everyone's eyes kind of, like, lift up because yoga is something that has been disassociated from right. Hindu tradition. Um, but, and that has taken on a life of its own. And, and, uh, and you will know that, like, yoga as practiced in the West is not really, like, what yoga is really about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a topic for <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and I, think it's a, I think it's an important point that you make about yoga too because um, it's like and the whole point about you know it being completely divorced from Hinduism and I feel like s some blame of that I think Hindus have to take themselves as well because it's in in a way it's just ba bad branding and bad kind of marketing on the part of Hindus I feel like we we should be in a situation where or we could be in the future in a situation where Hindus are you know, we become, we can make ourselves, if we just brand ourselves better, to become the authority on uh, on uh, yoga, for example. That if somebody really needed to learn yoga, if you really want to learn yoga, if you really want to know what this is all about, then you come to a Hindu. You learn from a Hindu. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's, there's some branding problems there as well. And, um, and my, my last, actually, question to you is, is is people often, you know, lump uh, Hindus together with y other cultures, particularly Muslims, and there's a lot of confusion in, in a, for example, a lay American about what a Hindu is and what a Muslim is, and most people think of them as the same exact thing, that there's no really discernible difference between a Hindu and a Muslim. And I feel like with if when it comes to, like, a, and what, I, what also kind of feels strange to me is that Hindus take it, 
they're of, often completely okay with being lumped with the, with Muslims. And that I feel like when it comes to like things like immigration, I think that that's something that really hurts Hindus at the end of the day as well. Because, you know, um, I, I think it in almost every case, overwhelmingly Hindus make model immigrants. Because when they go to a country, they are often one of the most educated people in the country. They're often very well read. They often earn very well. They often, on average, I think in India, in the US, the immigrant group that has the highest average income are Indians and Hindus. And they, they, um, you know, they, they make an effort to integrate into the culture. And thirdly, you will never see a Hindu gang roaming the streets of America. I mean, you will see a Russian gang, you will see Chinese gangs, you will even see Korean gangs and Vietnamese gangs, but you will never see a Hindu gang. And I think it's important, I think it's to our benefit to Hindus to kind of differentiate themselves from Muslims uh, as, as well and, and not just be okay with getting lumped together with them. What do you think about that? Um, you know what? Someone in a so it, it relates to that. So, you know, someone asked, so one of my co-workers told me that they were going to an Indian wedding. Right. So <laughs> I know where so this is going. So I looked at them and I said, so you're going to an Indian wedding. And I had to explain to them, I'm like, there's no such thing as an Indian wedding. Like, are you going to a, a Muslim wedding? Are right. you going to a Sikh wedding? Are you going to a Hindu wedding? Or you can even be going to a Christian wedding. An Indian wedding is a misnomer because mm -hmm. Indians are, are by and like can comprise so many different people. Um, and I think, you know, See, the funny thing, you know, that, that, that you bring him up is that uh, a Hindu has no problem welcoming people into their fold. Mm -hmm. But to ask people of other cultures to do the same thing, and that is not given back to them. And it's yep. a shame. Yep, and I it's agree. a shame. Like, a Hindu would be willing to welcome anyone into their fold and call them their brother, but, but people of other faiths don't want to do that. And, and I think Hindus have to start asserting their identity with, without a doubt. Like Hindus have to start asserting their own identity. Are, yes, you know, the majority of Hindus are Indians, uh, and, and, but Hindus on a whole have to not be afraid, you know, to start, you know, you know really internalizing that, that, that religion, that way of life, that culture that they're a part of. Um, you know, it's the the whole Hindu Muslim conflict. You know what? Like it it started in India, and right. I can tell you point blank that in the Caribbean, it still exists. Right. I I I know stories that uh, my my in laws have told me uh, that my parents have uh, uh, mentioned as as well. Now that that's not to say like like I'm Hindus. Like I have Muslim friends. You know they. But, you know, the, the, the constant battles between Hindus and Muslims in, in India, will it ever come to an end? I, uh, I, 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 I it's, wow, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? But, yeah, it's, 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 I think it can, but I think it is going to need some sort of a reformation on, on the part of the Muslims. Uh, it's, it's coming in a very, very minuscule way. You can see it already. There's a lot of, Islamic reformers that are now 
finally braving all these threats to make their voices heard. So it's it's a tiny little spark, but you know that's what you need initially. You need a little spark from somewhere. So it's coming. It might be years away. It might be decades away. It might be a century away. But I think it's coming. And until that happens, I don't see any sort of reconciliation. At least at least in my view. Right. I, I, you know, I, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I think there, you know, this is sort of going off in, in, into other things sure. now, but the, the Muslim experience in the Caribbean, you know, I, I, uh, I, was, I was talking to, to a few friends about this months ago, that the Muslim, you know, experience, the Muslim Caribbean experience, so that those that came from India that were Muslim, and, and when they settled in the Caribbean, a lot of their practices actually borrow from Hindu traditions. Right. Whether it be like the sharing of a uh, facade or, or, or anything like that. Actually, like a lot of culturally how they practice in the West Indies actually borrows from Hindu traditions. And I, I actually found that very fascinating because because I, I think the more moderate Muslims, if, if you wanted to call them that, are, are open to sort of different ways of expressing their faith. But... But we see that there's this hardline, like, Saudi brand of Islam that is sort of taking over the world. Right. And I think that it's unfortunate that, that that's the brand of Islam that is getting spread when, when I, I personally feel that Indian Muslims are very different. And I agree with that. that. And should be very different from the Saudi brand of uh, Islam as it's practiced. And, and I think Indian Muslims, you know, do have a lot to share the world, but how many of them are willing to put their, you know, necks out and be willing to fight back? That's that's the problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. That's the problem. I think I think I think it's it's a great point that you raised, and I think uh, I think like I said again, you know, that we're we're seeing some people starting to put their necks out, and what I think what is incumbent upon us. As as kind of secularists, it's, it's, I think it's incumbent upon people like us, and it's incumbent upon secularists in the West who who claim to be liberals and who claim to be actual secularists to give these people the support they need because they're not going to get support from their communities. They're going to need support from us. They're going to need support from the West, and they're going to need support from you know the the so-called liberals uh, around the world as well. And I think that's a, I think that's a great point, and I think on on, on that note, I I understand that you it's you know it's getting late, and you might have to run soon. So yeah, no. So I completely understand that. Again, on that point, I I must again thank you, and tell you how much I appreciate you doing this. Uh, you're the first guest on the Sham Sharma Show sessions, and I I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. No, you know what? When you reached out to me, um, I was like. Thank you for, for inviting me. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to share the, the link of this video on, on all my social media feeds. Uh, and I, I, I wish you, you know, all the best. I wish there's more people like you. And I think all of us have to really support each other to actually, you know, make our voices be heard. Whether you're an Indian Hindu, a West Indian Hindu, a native Hindu, uh, there's, there's a lot to be said for all of us coming together and supporting each other. I, I have a video in the works that uh, that I want to share with your viewers as well. Mm -hmm. um, um, so you know, you you speak a lot about about Indian politics, uh, about about how you know what happens in India, 
and I, I, I've told many of my own friends that I actually speak well addressed to the politics of, of India. And many of them turn to ask me why. They're like, you're not from India. You're from, you know, you're born in Canada. You are of a West Indian background. Why, why aren't you paying attention to my politics in Canada? So I turned to them and I said, are you an Indian? And they said, yes. So I said, which is the country that Hinduism originated from? And they said, India. And I said, if you're an Indian and you care about what happens in India, regardless of like the, you know, what's going on, like the, like the details of like what's going on. And I say, Hindus, if, if you are a Hindu, you should care about what happens in India because that is the land that our tradition came from. And I would hate to see something happen to, to that country. Now, I, I may not be of, you know, I, I, I don't hold an Indian passport or no. anything like that, but I certainly care about the Hindu cause. And I think Hindus around the world need to start focusing more on what's happening in India and support those that are there that can actually make a difference. I think that's such a good point because, you know, for if, if you look at Muslims, you know, you say, oh, Muslims, if, if, if you think of a Muslim homeland, you could think of 30 different countries. If you think of a Christian homeland, you could think of 30 different countries. But if you think of a Hindu homeland, there is only one country out there. And our culture and our, you know, aspects of our religion and our history is so intricately and so, you know, irreplaceably tied with that country and its geography that, you know, if, if, if anything happens to a country, to that country, a whole chunk of that uh, culture will just completely lose context of, you know, because if you look at a lot of the Vedas and if you look at a lot of the earlier ancient works, they were set in and around northwestern India, what is currently northwestern India. And a large part of that was set in Pakistan and Afghanistan. So you, you when you read those things, you, your mind, in your heart, you weep a little bit because that part of your history and that part of your geography that was so intricately linked to that land is just gone and you know we've, we've we've allowed that to happen once and we cannot cannot allow that to happen again yeah yeah, uh, agree. yeah and i agree with it as well and i think that's a, and that uh, i think that's a great point uh, or a great way to end today's show again sean thanks very much for uh, do doing this mate i really appreciate it and you guys, if you're if you're watching this, if you're still with us, thank you very much, first of all. And uh, you can check out Sean's Twitter and Sean's YouTube channel in the link provided below. His YouTube channel is called Hindu Lifestyle. It is fantastic. It is very well done. I cannot recommend it highly enough. And uh, again, thanks very much, Sean. And thank you very much, guys, for watching today's episode. My name is Sean Sharma, and I will see you soon.